0: Hello! (laughs) Welcome to The Nod, a mindful motorcycle podcast. Cue Dan Horn. Ding, 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 I'm really loving the theme tune. Yeah, it's so good. If you've enjoyed it, let us know on The Nod Pod Instagram. If you haven't, unsubscribe. I don't want a pickle Just want to ride on my motorcycle Once again, we will be diving into the archives of our own adventures and experiences on two wheels, catching up on recent goings-on in the bike world and welcoming another guest into the Den of Egos. As we venture through the rich world of bike culture, we will delve into themes of well-being and mental health as we look to normalise and empower conversations and action. I am Ben Bowers... On Instagram and in real life,
1: you are... And I am Mr. Partridge on Instagram and Twitter and in real life. This week, we are missing Mr. Borman. And don't feel sad because he's he's on his way to the Bahamas. With uh, Sean Connery's son. Is that... I I was going to ask if that was Sean Connery's son. It is Sean Connery's son. Yeah. Yeah. Lovely man. He he does have some weird and wonderful mates, Charlie does. Very well connected. He's been around a long time, though. Yeah, he is dust-like. Yeah. yeah. Hopefully when I'm 165, I'll, I'll have those kind of friends as well.
0: Yeah. But we are joined by a guest this week, as ever. And, and what a guest. One of the founders of Malay, London. Is Malay London the official title still? Name, was it Malay? Yeah, it's good to give things
1: a sense of place. The founder of Malay, Robert Nightingale. Cracking name, by the way, Nightingale. I'm watching a a show. Cracking bird. uh, Watching a show (laughs) at the moment, something about Nightingale. And it just gives, there's some gravitas
2: to that. Yeah, there is. To that name in England. In England. In other countries, it's not so much. I was in Brazil on a research project, staying in a very nice hotel. A lady came down to the restaurant and asked me to put my room number, and I couldn't remember it. She goes, put your name down. So I, I gave her my name. I said, Robert Nightingale. And about half an hour later, she comes over with the bill, and it just says "Robot Lightning Gay" on the top of the <laughs> <laughs> on the top of the receipt. I'm like, okay, that's my new title. It's just your online name. It is. So um, yeah, if you look <laughs> me on social media, I'll be on MySpace slash Robot Lightning Gay.
0: Um, <laughs> that's that's well, funny, uh, Robert. You've just aged yourself horribly with <laughs> a MySpace. Well, reference. you're talking about
1: your Instagram stuff, and
0: um, I try and keep a bit of a low profile. He, is you on MySpace still? <laughs>
1: uh, yeah, you Friends reunited. That's the one. Other yeah. than the the Malet, other than Malay, you don't have mm. your own personal. Um, no, Instagram I'm not allowed. No, I've You're been not? banned from that a long time ago oh, by, really? by their family, founders, the company. I
2: had my first time riding with Charlie this week. I've never ridden with him before. You've never oh, ridden really? with him? I've known him for eight years. I've always tried to get him into trouble, convincing him to join races, rallies, getting covered in mud, and generally like doing stuff with Malay. And
1: I've You're never ridden
2: like, with him. And um, what was your, uh, what was your uh, impression of riding with Charlie Borman? Well, I had him and Jake riding in front, and they were getting very competitive against each other about who could spray each other with the most amount of mud and uh, stones. Yeah. And we're, you know, when it's kind of, the, the, the Welsh, it's not mine, but all of the the valley there is just full of shale and slate and stuff, so it's really quite painful. I decided to take my visor off at the beginning of the day, and I thought, well, it's rain, pouring with rain, it's just going to fog up. Yeah. So we're doing a lot of, you know, it's a heavy bike, we're doing a lot of technical stuff, so I took my visor off, and about thirty minutes later I've just got stones being <laughs> into here at the shower that evening. I'm like, something still hurts. And I looked out and I've got like four flies under that eye and then bits of stone and, and mud in that one. Oh, nice. It's nice. Good
1: day. Yeah, Charlie does. none no, like the rest of the, the restaurant with Charlie was lovely. <laughs> it's just the stones. So it's always a battle to get in front of Charlie. And yeah. he, he doesn't like you being in front of him. No. And then he, he will he will fight tooth and nail, like whether you're through traffic or wherever you are, to get out in front of you. Yeah. And, then, and then he just gives you the smile, and then he'll try to take off. And then if you get out in front of him, he's like... Arr. So uh, let's start off. Let's set the scene, Robert, on Malay. I like the way you're you kind of skulk in the, in, the, in the shadow of darkness with your with your marketing. You have quality rather than quantity yeah, kind get, of thing. Yeah,
2: people, like, they'll see something that we've done and then they'll call up and they'll be angry. They're like, why didn't I know about this? Why didn't you email me? And I'm like, sorry, <laughs> sorry, who are you? And they're like, well, I'm Dave from wherever. And I'm like, how would I have your email address? He's like, good point, good point, but I want to come to the next one. It's important. <laughs> I'm like, okay, you come to the next one. But so, um, yeah, Malay is a brand, so, is... Johnny, who you've met many, many times, is my cousin. We are designers, working on product design, industrial design, graphic design, and Johnny's running a design studio in London for many years. I was running a small studio in New York. And we started collaborating on projects together. And I think after a while of doing that, we just got bored of working for the man and wanted to just try and do something on our own. And we didn't mean to start Malay. just like, we wanted to do something like that. And we talked about it. Johnny was writing, I think as an old, 68 BSA and I had an old 69 Enfield and one day we were just going drunk in a bar and talking about how we needed a piece of luggage that was rough enough for the weekend but smart enough for the week and something that we could chuck our kit in that would be tough enough for just the motorcycle experience that it's waterproof dirt resistant you can chuck it around something you put a laptop in that kind of protect it but also something that relatively easily attached to any type of motorcycle, especially with old bikes and and so we ordered a very expensive roll of beautiful wax canvas from a mill up in Scotland, which has become our mill now for the last ten years. It's the oldest wax canvas manufacturer in Britain, going back to the 17th century. Used to make all the sails for the tall ships back in the day. Cool. And then when the sailors, when the sails would eventually break, because all the sails used to be dipped in oil to give them yeah. a longer life, and then when they would break, the sailors would cut them up and then make duffels and, and overcasts. Jackets. And that's kind of where wax canvas clothing came from.
1: I didn't know that. And
2: so we used to take this ca- we took this canvas and we got an eighteen ounce, like super heavy. You could barely fold it. Broke three sewing machines. Managed to get a really heavy industrial post machine, which we bought for I think 100 hundred hundred pounds, and made three or four. Taught ourselves how to sew. Like we were designers but we were using like super cutting edge three D CAD, doing three D printing. And now here we are with two guys like looking like monkeys playing with Lego trying to work out how to use a sewing machine and yeah, yeah. you know making our first prototype. I think we're like ten and it's like given to a couple of friends and saying, Look, let's test this out, let us know what you thought. Got some good feedback and we have one design that we really liked. And so it's a yeah, panier, the first one. Yeah. And mallet means trunk in French because Johnny was born in France and I was born in English, a cousin, so it's a family business. So en français, mal, is a, that yeah. wooden chest like a like a Louis Vuitton or those, those big trunks you see on the, the yeah, side yeah. of cars or trains in the 19th century where you put your tools in really. On, on the cars, you would put your tools in just to keep the vehicle going. So we thought, well, that's what we're building. We're building something to go on the side of a vehicle to keep it running. Yeah, And that's where, so we took a French word but bastardized a pronunciation from, I want to say mal to malay. That's with an English twist. We sent one to to our friends at Iron Air magazine, who we'd never met at that point. I think we called them up probably every three days from then on. Like, when's it coming out? When's it coming out? And then, they're like, <laughs> six months later, they, very, they did our, a very, very sweet article. And we're like, oh, well, we can retire now. We're in, you know, in Iron Air magazine. Like. <laughs> and then I think we sold five. And uh, then we got a phone call from Japan. Very excited. And they're like, we've seen this, this, this design. They're like, we love it. We want to see the whole collection. We're like, right, the collection. <laughs> <laughs> so then Jo and I very quickly set about making... Four pieces in a capsule collection, which was like named after London. Like, was called the Smoke Collection, because named after London at the time. And the first the second design we made came out of an argument that we I wanted to really do a nice messenger shoulder bag. Johnny really wanted a, a backpack. And so we ended up doing a hybrid piece, which you could convert from one to the other, which had never been done before. And that became our best seller for the next few years. And so that little capsule collection became Yeah, really sort of the start of what we were doing. And then by year two. You know we're spending all the time in the workshop making stuff and it's a pretty lonely experience in a cold workshop in london making and designing and you know we set up Malay to go and do our own thing and be around motorcycles and do more with motorcycles and we set ourselves a, a challenge to do to cross the biggest continent we could get to which was at the time america so we realized we, we wanted to make an expedition collection and ride ten thousand miles to test out our our first ever jacket some bits of kit luggage we got two triumph vonnevilles and rode ten thousand miles from new york to los angeles by mexico and canada from 42 degrees centigrade in Bonneville salt flats to a minus 15 in Canada. You know, Mexican hat was really Death Valley, super hot, but also huge amounts of of rain and dust. And just getting to know the product you're making just by having to go through all of the thing of packing up. One rule we made for ourselves, we would never pay for accommodation. So we camped every single night for thirty-seven days, and so every morning you got to put your tent out put everything in, roll it back in, put it back on the on the motorcycle, and off you yeah. go. And then when we were staying in places like Chicago, we'd find the fire escapes, yeah, and then you climb up, and then you put your tent on top of a building, like it's twenty an- stories up, and we'd camp in the middle of a city. And
1: I was going to say it's quite um, da- it's quite dodgy, like some places we met with like guys in Chicago. Canada was really scary. and this,
2: this guy this lovely lovely Canadian rider he's done a massive Harley and every every Harley that sees you pulls up and, and then they all everyone's uncle had a try in Bonneville in 1969 <laughs> yeah, they all, they all yeah, had one yeah. <laughs> and this guy crazy legs bob comes over and he goes what are you doing boys and we're like well we're, we're riding across the Marrow, mate. and we're camping every night he goes, like, ah, you're ditch-banging. Like, no, 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 not a couple. He's like, no, no, you're ditch-banging. <laughs> so you're, you're sleeping, uh, sleeping in the ditch. I'm like, oh, yeah, yeah, sleeping in the ditch. That's what, yeah. that's what ditch we did for a month. <laughs> and um, and then when we got back, we kind of knew how, what that product was a, about. But when we were on the, the Bonneville Salt Flats, we'd arrived there and they'd cancel Speed Week because it was so wet. I mean, huge amounts of rain. Yeah. We'd ridden six nine thousand miles to get there. We're not not going to race, so when I took all the kid off, set up a camera in the middle of the desert, and then just started racing each other across the salt lake, just trying to get you, on the road. In you can get over hundred miles an hour, no problem. Trying to yeah. do hundred miles an hour on the salt flats on road bikes with road tires. Yeah, yeah, it's and then on like the third or fourth take, hit a wet spot, and then like the bike just started fish fishtailing like, like this, and then. Because we'd told Prime we weren't going to customize the bikes, so we took everything off the bike that we could to reduce the weight to try and get 100 miles an hour. We put our feet on the back pegs, took all the wind mirrors off on the front. So when we started, you just leaned up, pull down, and just click up into into first, and then into fifth gear, and then just slowly accelerate side by side. And kind of there's occasional like grin and a smile, and then and then suddenly when you get into that wet spot, the whole thing's fishtailing, and it's just and also because of the vibration in the crash helmet you couldn't see, because all these fires in California coming across the continent, the white was now blurring with the gray of the smoke and you couldn't work out where the horizon was. So you're kind of going off in, and then as you hit that, I can just hear on the GoPro that later on like this, you're ah! just flying down and because you've got no brakes, because you can't touch the back brake because you're not foots aren't on the peg and you can't touch the front brake because you're on wet surface, you've got a long time to think as all that wind resistance just slows you down very, very slowly are the bike's just doing that. Yeah. And, and that's where you go, realize the bigger the wobble gets, right? You're in the middle of a salt lake Hundred miles from nowhere, no one knows you're there. You're wearing a white jumpsuit on a white surface. Like if you roll that bike off, no one knows. So, and Johnny and I were to pull over, and we see this line back through the the salt flats of this. That's our bike tires, just like all over the shop. And we're like, okay, let's do it again. If we fall off this time. <laughs> <laughs> we get a ratchet strap out, and then you t- if one falls off, you've got to ratchet the other guy onto you, and then we go to the hospital and deal with that. Or well, you Which have had the break 300 miles an hour, and, um, and did. And then when we were doing that, we're like, this is really fun. This is what motorcycling should be about, and this is what Mali should be about. And we're like, how can we do this when we get back to England? So we came up with the idea there about hosting a motorcycle race that no one could win. And the idea was that, kind of like Fight Club, that the idea was that on that first one, anyone who turns up has to race. Yeah. Because Johnny's done a lot more than I have in, in motorsport, and you know, motorsport used to be in car parks, eating rubbish food, in polystyrene, not talking to anybody else because you're so competitive, you just want to focus on pole position. And that's not what we're about. We want to get everyone together and just you know, throw a big party about motorcycles. And I've dragged my poor wife to motorcycle racing in again, Canada, ice racing in Canada, to desert racing. And she loves it for the first six minutes. And then she's thoroughly bored for the next 19 hours. And well, I'm yeah. like, one more minute, darling, one more minute. And then, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so Johnny and I thought, okay, well, if we can build a motorcycle race where it's not about winning, it's just about getting anybody together on anything that has some sort of description of two wheels, but also build it in a very beautiful place that when you get bored of watching that, you can just hang out with great cocktails, good place and beautiful surroundings. And so we managed to convince a friend to let us do it on the lawn of their manor house in South London. Uh, And that was, and the first year we had 37 bikes turn
1: up and we had a little beer tent. And um, it was really fun. I was there. You were there? I remember it well. I remember, watching, I remember watching it, messaging Callum going, what is this? Yeah. What are you doing? Where? Why am I not there? And I was then, in Spain at the time. And we made, we made two jumps, because we didn't want to get run over.
2: So like, it was only Johnny and I like waving flags around. So we, mm. we thought that this could be smart. Well, the day before, okay, we'll put white jumpsuits on so we don't get run over by anybody. And on his kitchen floor, we just put Malé on the back. And then halfway through that race, someone stopped me moving. They're like, I want to buy that. I'm like, I'm wearing it right now. (laughs) We thought maybe we should make one more set of jumpsuits next year. The next year, we had about 50 bikes arrive. We had the DJ and a bartend. And then the next year, we had about 200 bikes and we built a boxing ring. And then the next year, we had about 500 bikes. I remember what happened to the boxing ring. Boxing was amazing. It was one of my favorite favorite, years. The year after that was the muddy year where it just rained for three yeah. days solidly. That and that, but that was hysterical one because the, the bikes couldn't get off the start line. Yeah. Yeah. It was so, so you yeah. had 500 motorcycles all wanting to race in different things. That time we had the sprint race, the hill climb. It's all grass track racing, which then just turned into a complete quagmire, but became this comedy show. of.
1: It was carnage, It was. but it was so fun that, that year. I think that well, was the year it?
2: that we Some realized that races. no one, apart from the, the races, had a rough idea what was happening. We had a rough idea, but the audience had no idea what was going on. Enjoying the theatre and the comedy of it all, but we thought we need to get some guys in who actually can help lead the whole story. So that's when you guys joined first for the, the commentary crew. Yeah,
1: yeah I, think, I think it was the year before that. The year, that. Before. Yeah, the the year, year before, before the Muddy Mile. Yeah, the year and, before um, the Muddy Mile. Yeah, is when we, the three started, started. Yeah. Channel yeah. 9 crew. Came together, came together. And one that you know. And I was, I was filming that. I was filming an episode of Goblin there at that, yeah. that time.
2: You know, our dads would be there, racing. And generally anybody doing something naughty was usually one of our family, riding, riding bikes in the wrong bit. Johnny's yeah. dad, my dad, aunties and uncles on bikes, a lot of cousins. And a lot of it, most of our marshals are all sisters, cousins, and a big family, yeah, family affair. Last year, we had 1,500 motorcycles racing, and 6,000 guests in total, including all the riders, right? Because nearly, I think I've never been to an event where nearly half of the audience is racing and riding. I use racing very loosely. And that's what the mallet Mars has become. I've been very honoured to just host this strange motorcycle. It's become a festival, but it's just a celebration of getting, especially young people, onto motorcycles. Well, I was very lucky with John and I. We grew up in the countryside. There's a small family farm, and we could pick up bikes in the Friday night for £100, ride it on the farm, and put electrical tape down the tank, and you got a race bike. And that was... Yeah, you know, the greatest sort of entrance into motorcycling is young yeah. kids, age eleven, but not everyone's as lucky. And motorcycling is expensive to get into, so suddenly we're now we're realising that there's loads of people just buying rubbish bikes for very low, very low money somewhere on the internet, for, just about just getting it working for the Malay Mall, or building bikes. One guy two years ago built a. It was out of a BMX frame and a chainsaw engine. Yeah, so that, that, two that thing was mad, yeah, 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 two engines two engines on there. And, and that gave rise to the, what's called the art of machines, so that was the art show that celebrates the art of, of building motorcycles. And John and I keep asking us, okay, where, how, where can we go next? Well, how can we push this? Because the mile, you know, the first year it made 100 pounds. Like, oh, you made money. <laughs> yeah, you made, made money. Made 100 pounds. On <laughs> and um, so it's not a get-rich-quick scheme by any means, but we've met so many beautiful people. So many friendships. Of yeah. People who are like, they'll see it and they'll email and say, can I join the Marshall team? And they become best mates and then suddenly we're riding together all, yeah, all yeah. summer and, and going on trips into the Alps together and through custom bike builders and lots of sponsors start coming, looking yeah. around, wanting to exhibit. a bit and you could very
0: easily take the money and and sacrifice the ethos of it, and has that, that would, been very conscious for you? Yeah, or? very much so. Yeah, it was,
2: we have a lot of conversations with lots of the younger riders, and riders have been there since day one. Like saying, "What do you want at the mile?" Because the mile is theirs. Motorcycle is a subculture, and it's it's something that we choose to be a part of. And the moment you start to feel like you're being marketed, and that's not that's not what we got into it for. And the mile is one of the one of the many things that we do with Malay. It's our favourite. I mean, it's the most stressful weekend of the year, but it's our most favorite weekend of the year because it is just a big party. But it is wonderful. And we get, you know, we get to invite some of the greatest rock and roll bands that we can think of from around Europe to fly in. And we've got riders coming in from America and some just wonderful people.
1: I love bringing new people to the mallet,
2: to the mile. You just say yes to everybody. And someone will turn up in the most, and I'm sure they love it, but it could be the most horrific motorcycle you've Mm. ever seen, but it's still a motorcycle. So it's wonderful. But then someone could turn up with a Spitfire. And then they're like, Let's do a little aerial display, and then someone's going to turn up with something else. They let skim across the lake, and and then you suddenly get Dakar winning bikes, and.
1: And, um, it is rogue and random. Yeah, and you so you just have to say
2: yes to pretty much everybody. It's and, definitely um, my
1: favorite weekend of the year. I'm not missing the Malay Mile
2: and the nicknames that you've given riders like three or four years ago stick, and now they're known. Every once once a weekend of the year, they're famous within the Malay Mile crowd. <laughs> the they're, no, they're known as the yoga Mexican. pants, gun show, the Mexican. <laughs> <laughs> like their you know, Instagrams I are. Mean, yeah, they, they change their, have names their and, name on the Instagram. It's quite funny. And you're introducing a lot of riders that just meet there and. All that adrenaline and nitro and fuel and... Well, how would, and let's talk but, about that.
0: How was that last year, especially because it was a new venue, going from a high catchment area, you know, an established
2: mm. audience in the southeast, down in, in Kent, to Lincolnshire? It's the most democratic position in the country. It's right bang in the middle. So it's, it's close to, to the top of Scotland as it is close to the bottom of Cornwall. And it's actually faster to get there from Devon because you don't have to go, go into London. And to be honest, who wants to go into London on a Friday afternoon into the M25? It's like that's
0: that's yeah. carnage. I mean, it was it was a, like a forty nice, minutes from my house. So
2: it was quite convenient. A nice drive up honest, through the country and it's gorgeous riding it's around there. It's forty five <laughs> minutes from my house, and we had no idea it was in Lincolnshire until like. Six months after the event. We just knew it was Grimslock Castle. Like that's, that's <laughs> where it is.
0: But how was that? So, I mean, but it, put so, so last context. year was a tricky one. Because,
2: yeah. you know, for, for the whole world, we've had three years of a complete uncertainty and unknown. We've gone two two years of COVID. Pretty much all events were off. And luckily, all restrictions were dropped both years, one week prior to the mile. We, well, were, we very, were very, very lucky. And then it became this amazing celebration because suddenly everyone's released. And And the first one was the the first socially distanced motorcycle race. So we had the head of the Met Police. We had the head of the healthcare department down there wanting to see a socially distanced motorcycle race. Because when the council said, originally they said, no, you can't do it. We said, well, why could we not do it? They said, well, these are the reasons. Okay, so as creative designers, we're like, well, why don't we, see each one of those as a challenge. And so we worked with the council to reimagine and redesign each element. And they're like, well, okay, if you can do all of those things, let's do it. And the reality is all the riders, they're all in PPE. They're all in crash helmets, kit, gloves, and they're separated by, should be, you know, a few hundred meters from each other. But so that worked very well in the second year. But then coming to this year, those years, I think a lot of us felt there was no definition between one year to the next. They kind of blurred in. And I felt that, it felt that we'd done like three three million miles back to back, with three rallies in between, and all the lockdowns and all the the craziness that came with just yeah lockdown years. After that mile, you do just have a big like a big slump. Making people happy makes me really happy. Yeah. So making all those people happy and seeing them like people were hugging on the start line and just having a, a and it really, was it an was emotional was time. And people and like the finish incredible on this, how on the finish line people were crying. You know there were tears and. Of joy, luckily. <laughs> but it's one of those right. weird,
0: you know, we've been through two years of social distancing and then it was like the big, you're free. Yeah. It was mm. Freedom Day, wasn't it?
2: After those big events, you do just go in a bit of a slump. You, you've given it everything. You're absolutely exhausted and emotionally, mentally, and physically. I always I always put a party in the calendar like a week or 10 days later. Just something to look forward to because I just feel, yeah, you're just done. And like people are calling we've never saying very nice things about what, what's just happened, you're like, just, I just I don't care. Like, yeah. I'm, just, I'm just done. <laughs> yeah. just How does that
0: manifest itself
2: mm, day to Just day exhausted. Yeah, exhaustion. And, like, it just takes a lot more energy to get oneself out of bed in the morning. So I just give myself a goal, like, to prepare for something. And, like, usually... Yeah, we usually throw a party on, on the family farm and get all the friends and invite all our marshals back. And actually, like, that gives me a goal to, like the idea of serving cocktails and drinks for all of the marshes so helped put them all together and thanking them for that, that gives me a nice little drive to kind of work towards that and bring you out of that bit of slump after, which I think happens to a lot of people after races and those sort of high adrenaline things. Yeah, yeah. You know, and then afterwards you're just a bit, like, a bit deflated. Yeah. So I, I, I look, watch that. The come that. down. Yeah, like exactly that. We give each other, you know, a few days to like rest, recuperate. Yeah, we do a party on the farm and, and then there's nothing better than a week later when you've got more energy to sit around a campfire a lot of people that you yeah, shared yeah. that experience with. And then you've got all the stories that you never knew about. You're like, I had no idea that happened. Yeah, yeah, I, yeah. yeah. I think this
0: is always the amazing thing about motorcycles, right? Given the diversity of people that ride bikes. And yeah, this podcast is a reflection of that. You know, we've had you know, already people from, from the racing world, from the arts world, from the manufacturing world. You know, they all share a love of motorcycles. And when you throw, you know, 6,000 disparate people into a field and, and stick them on bikes. Something kind of special happens. Very special. Yeah. yeah.
2: Why doesn't matter of it doesn't matter of the age or the background, mm-hmm. just that that sh- that shared passion is where your two worlds collide in some way that you've got you've some image you have to talk about. Yeah. And you can talk about motorcycles forever, as yeah. you guys are. <laughs> but you can. Um, the history, what it makes you feel, the aspiration, the adventures it can take you on, whether you go mount down in the ca- I'm much more of a long distance rider. So I'm much more interested in, you know, mountain touring. ranges, horizons, adventures, and mm. doing long distance stuff. Other people go much more into the mechanical side. They want to build custom things. They want to build race things. They want to go faster than anybody's gone before. Or they just want to get to work. Or they just want something beautiful to sit on their wall. And they're like, I built that. Can you yeah. put your finger on, So I'm thinking back of all the years
0: and all the events you've done, just simple things. When you bring 6,000 people together and get them drunk, something's going to kick off nine times out of 10, but. I don't remember there being any trouble at Malay though. But... No. Why?
2: I think was... there was the most ungentlemanly thing is in the match of motor polo, which is this. Sound really? I mean, somebody got their fist stuck in <laughs> oh, someone's yeah, somebody, helmet. Oh yeah, actually, that did happen. That yeah. was, but that was. I mean, on the commentary, that was hysterical. Yeah, we we um, we enjoyed that. But I think no, somebody, but the, did you tell us
0: they? <laughs> you <tried> brilliantly <laughs> were like,
1: oh, there's oh something's happening, and you came up and said they're brothers. We're like, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> wow, yeah <man>. that was <laughs> so funny. I, okay. I had no I had no idea who it was. When I explain the mile to anybody, it's like being a kid again. It's like having your first motorcycle, being in that big open field Mm -hmm. with your best mate, and he's on a a bike, and you're just, like, going hell for leather in a field. You know what Mm -hmm. I mean? And and it's just—it takes you back to that moment. Like, the day before the mile, I'm excited. I I can't sleep very—you know what I mean? I'm just, like, really excited to get there, prepping all my stuff. And and when I get there, it's just— smile from the minute you get there till the minute you leave. You know what I mean? The, your style of racing is
0: really accessible. It's, that's the whole so point. it's, it's not it's, intimidating. It's about, yeah, yeah, we
2: want to get young people especially, women especially, and anybody who's even just thought about motorcycles, whether they're commuting or just like look at them, the fact that you, we've had people turn up and you say, you're going to race? Like, oh, no, no, no I, I can't race a motorcycle. And then 10 minutes later, they're like, how do I sign up? Yeah. yeah. yeah.
0: So you are speaking yeah. about your love of long distance riding. So where did, uh,
2: firstly, wh- where did your love of bikes come from? Dad. We uh, grew up on a small farm and one evening working on the farm, I didn't realise how bad I was getting paid until I went to like a farm show and I spoke to one of the other like 11 year olds and they're like, how much do you get paid? And I'm like, 20p an hour. And he's like, oh, bad. you were getting paid as a child. That's <laughs> yeah. a bonus.
0: But yeah, um, I asked Charlie about that. He was just in loads of films and all he got was a tricycle. <sighs>
2: But I was working the farm late one evening, and then I heard a motorcycle come up to the, the gate. The gate opened. Beautiful baby blue Triumph Thunderbird. Which at the time, I had no idea what it was. It's just a gorgeous motorcycle. Full black leathers, crash helmet, blacked out visor. So I opened the gate because the guy was doing that. Bike rode into the farmyard, and then the guy took his helmet off, and I saw it was my dad, and he goes, don't tell your mother.
1: <laughs> <laughs> so
2: like, he had this secret motorcycle in one of the, one of the sheds on the farm no. for, for many years. So I think from the age of 11, the idea of uh, sort of rebellion motorcycles was fused in my brain at a very early age. And I thought about nothing else from then on. Yeah, so I got a riding bike when I was about 11. I Suzuki GP100, bought in the Friday ad for £90. And um, crashed. That's why I know it isn't straight trying to jump across barbed wire fences early on were well, you doing the great escape reenactment were
0: you yeah it wasn't, it wasn't that great it wasn't, there was no escape uh, yeah nothing
2: and um then went to university and studied design didn't particularly enjoy that at all for the first year and so I came up with an excuse to go and teach English in the Himalaya and then bought an Enfield and rode around the Himalaya for another nine months and then ended up started with a friend of mine and Ellie started riding across from Park Road down to down to Nepal and then more into mountains and then ended up riding for another six months across the whole of India and um, just kept going down to a month in Varanasi on the Ganges and out into the great Tar Desert and then finally got a a message through to me that I had to go back to university. So then I gave Ellie half the money for the bike. He carried on into the distance and I went back to school for a couple of years and then five years later I got my first paycheck. I was working for a studio in New York and then bought Royal Enfield the next day. A 1969 Royal Enfield bullet. It was loud. I thought it was the coolest bike in Manhattan, and he'd park it places outside, and because no, no, there's no Enfields in that part of the country. Right. So everyone would think it was a Bruff Superior, and they like you. come back from the, and someone would have a note saying, "I'll pay you anything for this motorcycle." And I'm like, yeah, it's not for sale. <laughs> <laughs> so they would have that bike for a while, and and that's when Somali started. But it was yeah, it was Dad and and Johnny's Dad as well. Had an old Honda Seven Fifty Four in the in the early '80s, and so Dad had this Triumph Thunderbird. There was an old dot scrambler on the on the farm that didn't, all the bits missing, and a Francis Barnett, and then our Johnny and my uncle John he had a Norton Commando. The earliest picture we've got of Johnny on a bike is aged, I think he's four and I'm three on Uncle John's Norton Commando, gold fleck fastback. Amazing. and so that every. You know, we listen to your like, family down at dinner, like dinner parties and stuff, and you're upstairs and you're not supposed to be listening, but you can hear all the fun stories about motorcycles and, and adventures. Wow. And so I think that's where it always just created. And, there's a lot, you know, with what a Malay does, there's quite a bit of romance in some of the adventures that we try and convince people to join, especially on like the Great Malay Rally, for example. You know, Dad was at the first three miles, but unfortunately he passed away, I think, three years ago. Yeah, And um, I got some great photographs of him. Your dad on, was an amazing on, man. Yeah, on that Blue yeah. Triumph. like He's like, I'm just going to give taxi rides to like, any young blonde girl that wants to yeah. <laughs> lift around. And they'd be like sque- <laughs> screaming, <laughs> screaming as they're going around the site. Yeah. And, um,
0: but he was wooing them with his magic. Yeah, he? he was a professional, yeah, professional magician, entertainer, yeah. Yeah, he was, uh, well, he was in the inner circle of the magic circle, yeah, wasn't he? he, was. he was one wrote, of the- yeah, he wrote books. a Very funny man. Yeah, yeah, yeah,
2: I mean, yeah, he was. Yeah, and sadly three years ago, it was an accident, unfortunately, on the farm. And he passed away very suddenly. That yeah pulls the rug out from underneath you. Like no one expects that. And my, yeah. my, and I, my wife Ansan and I, we were we just been hitchhiking across in Zimbabwe and we just got into Mozambique and got to the Mozambique border, and then turned on my phone for the first time in two weeks and had like 174 missed calls. But that's more than normal. Yeah, it's never yeah. good. And that uh, was a slow hitchhike to try get back from Mozambique all the way down to the capital and get back into England to to be with the family and yeah. You know, I spent three days there so just processing all of that but it's 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 very upsetting it's just like that sense of loss it's like dropping something off the back of a of a ship into this like deep ocean like you just know you can never find it again it's just yeah yeah. gone it's just and there's nothing you can do about it there's no way you can get it back I've never never experienced it before and um Mm.
0: how did you process how did you deal what what your, your methods if you like
2: um First of all, like you just try and focus on the family, make sure that everyone's okay about stuff. And then so yeah, you know, I, I, I went out to the, the shed to and dragged out that dot scrambler that had all the bits missing. And then just with a beer, just started taking it apart slowly and had this idea about, okay, this is, this is a bike that I wanted to build with dad when, when I was, re- you know, from the age of 11. Yeah. And uh, so I, mean, I should have probably been trying to be more in touch with my emotions, about no, I'm going to focus. I'm going to build a bike that, I wanted to build with dad when I was a kid and just started, you know, it took me was that, was that six that six hours to tear the whole bike apart into like Ziploc bags, categorize every single component. Yeah. I had two piles of stuff that can't be saved and things that could be saved. But then I realized I had no idea how to build motorcycles. So I had to start making some phone calls and then start calling up friends and, you know, they were like, of course they'd heard what had happened and, but then it became quite a cathartic thing to then go on this. Say, so do you not, think that was the most
0: but, tangible connection you could find to maybe, to your yeah. father? Yeah, and that was, and you could, and, you could, like, and in your head, the, and
2: also that's a bit of solitude just in the workshop to be able to build something, thinking about that, mm. almost making jokes, yeah, you know, almost as a communication between yourself and and uh, and dad about like what color it can be. Like it's no, he'll be like, no, it has to be period correct. I'm like, no, 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 this is going to be fully custom and like, matte mm. cream and yeah. But yeah, I think there was there was that a lot well you raced that bike yeah so it took it six hours to take apart, and then I think six no four, three years
1: to three years to, to build every year because I, 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 it was at the Mallet every year parked up against the tree just getting a little bit kind of yeah. it, you'd see it a bit more and I wanted that regressed. I kind of like
2: I like the idea of the mile because that had been there for the first ones just the idea of that bike sitting there under a tree like you just parked it there mm.
1: just like, and
2: every year it got a little bit closer to being finished and then raced it for the first time and also got you know for me I've got some mechanical knowledge. I can get most things sort mm. of running-ish, sort of, with the help of Johnny usually. Yeah. <laughs> but um, you know, so many of the engineers that I'd met or invited onto the the Great Mallee Rally have all had a hand on that bike, resealing the inside of the tank and fixing things. So actually, it became—I think it's about fifty. I counted there were about fifteen of my friends who've helped, one part or the other, build part of that motorcycle to get it racing. And yeah, you know, and Callum, who I think you had on the yeah. from yeah. Molex, it sat in his workshop for the first year and I'd ride across town late at night and go and help you know, he'd help me put things on the lathe and make a new new spindle or something. And many of the projects we seem to do with Malley, which I'm sure it happens in every industry, but it seems a lot with motorcycles that those projects that are born out of a passion, whether it's a custom bike or whether it's the Mallee Mile or whether it's something you want to make or an adventure, it breeds more passion and you make more friends and more connections and there's just an excitement of like, let's do this.
0: The rally is very similar to all the other events that you do and sort of the, the environment it creates. But, you know, at the end of the rally last year, we, we, we did a bit of a talk at the, the award ceremony mm. in the last place about sort of mental health and the importance of talking. And, and that was the, a very
2: special moment when, yeah. when everyone had gone through that seven days of adversity, yeah. tough,
0: tough weather conditions, long days, little sleep. That was kind of the whole point, wasn't it? Because we, we'd been on this adventure together you're taking on the personal challenge of long distances, weather and, and enjoying, you know, the highs and and then, you know, getting through the lows. And it was a real opportunity to, to reflect and come together and speak to. I mean, after that talk, I had some really amazing conversations with some of the riders who, you know, felt after what they'd been through that week and the, the new friends they'd made, they felt an opportunity to to open up and and mm-hmm. share in ways that maybe they hadn't felt comfortable before with me and, and with other people and to talk to people about stuff that they maybe been dealing with or some of the reasons they have gone on the adventure. You know, oh, yeah. a, a lot of adventurers are, are running away from things. Mm-hmm. You know, and, and adventure creates that purpose to escape, isn't it? And validates it in some ways. But it's a great opportunity whilst you're there to really address some things. And I think it was a an, you know, to be able to bring a hundred people together, you know, friendships to emerge or or friendships to be reinforced, or to give people time and space is is a real gift, isn't mm. it? And, and there must be, you know, countless examples of that 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 you hear and see. Yeah, um, and it's the,
2: just also that you've got such a headspace there. So now you've got six, seven hours of riding a day. Could be more if there's mechanical failures or weather's bad, road closures. But you've got a lot of time in the helmet solo to think, to compute and to to meditate on, on one's thoughts. And some of them just come there, just it's a wild adventure. Sounds great. Let's yeah. do it. Others have lost somebody. Maybe career's not going great. Maybe their mental health, maybe physically they have had a cancer scare or something. And they're like, well, I'm going to set myself a challenge to it in a, in a yeah, just get away from the husband and kids, you know? Yeah, yeah. So they set themselves, yeah, a challenge to that. Like, I'm going to do that. And it was never supposed to become an annual thing, but suddenly... I'd throw myself personally into a situation where anything can happen at any time. It's very stressful, but I it brought in Callum and I think there were some of them are just marshals that just we'd met through the mile. But then become some of my best mates, you guys, self included, that have come onto the rally, and we're like, as a team, we're going to do this. And we're going to make sure everyone has an amazing time, but we're going to look out for each other as well. There are some days, when maybe you've just party a little bit hard the next day or maybe you're missing your family or maybe or something. And I've noticed to check in with all riders in the morning, just like, you know, take a second, just say, how are you feeling? How are you doing? Because there's some days one rider, he's like a very close friend, life has sold the party. He's just having a really tough time and he didn't know why. He's just like, I'm just feeling low. So like that day, like, you know, take it easy. You come ride with the back of the pack and just look after each other a little bit. And that's become a part of that morning ritual of just checking in with our team and the riders and not in an overt way, it's just a
1: brief yeah. check in you know and i think i think like you know i think it's a good way to get men especially i think to open up more i mean women you know are a lot better than us at opening up but like i think if you do something hard together like if you with friends or with people you don't know or a different group if you do something really physically and mentally draining and challenging after that you feel a lot more at ease, just opening up and just you're just talking to opening up about something that's really kind of been, you know, that's well, in your mind. The you shared know I mean? trauma, there's, almost, of yeah, going yeah, through exactly. something. But, I hate to say uh, that the not,
2: rally is a shared trauma, but there are days when that weather can be against you, and well, yeah. it is
1: gnarly. Yeah. Riding eight hours in the pissing rain and wind is, on mountain is, passes, uh, yeah, yeah, is, is, it's 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 also is tough. Think it's,
0: it's also putting yourself in situations that you wouldn't normally be. In, but in a way that with people that can lift you up yeah because I mean there was one moment on the rally last year when we'd had we'd had a pretty long day it was the day from Chester to the Lake District and I was desperate for a beer I was tired it was, that was day three end of day three wasn't it so we'd, we'd done quite a lot of riding yeah. already and it had been amazing and we hadn't eaten it was half nine at night uh, I had a beer and then you and a couple of other guys said, right, we're going for a swim. Was, they're like, come on. I'm like, oh, I don't want to. i was swimming in a cold lake, you know, at half nine at night when I haven't eaten. I've been on the bike yeah. for 12 hours. It's the last thing I want to do. But, you know, saw the enthusiasm of other people and I really didn't want to do it. But I did because I got lifted up. You know, you up by yeah, yeah, so basically trying to We were all in a much bigger pressure on. into <laughs> it. But no, uh, you know, in- positively encouraged to do yeah, it. Yeah. Mm. And it was... The best. It was one of the highlights of the whole trip. It was just an amazing half hour where we were in this lake, but it was just it was just the people around us. We were all having fun, you know. It was just a really reaffirming moment and to build bonds with people and 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 do things that
2: you wouldn't normally do. If and and Amy Shaw was a photographer. She had we're lucky enough. She's joined the think, twice or three times now, and, mm-hmm. she, and she then she's like, wait, and she ran out of a camera and then jumped in with her camera on the on the, the deck and makes some amazing photographs of everyone just. Spashing yeah. about and just actually,
0: having, I need to get, I need to uh, need to get that photo. Of, I jumped in with a Malay flag, yeah. a massive flag, <laughs> I think, the I thought, flag I think I've seen the photo. <laughs> thinking I think that would be it. a great photo. And jumped in, and then obviously this massive cotton flag then got it's really wet, wet, and, and heavy. I nearly sank. <laughs> <laughs> Went straight to the bottom. I was like, oh, this was not such a good idea, waving a flag. But it was brilliant. And I think but one of the important things in in a lot of this, um, and a lot of the time. A, things I've spoken about a lot over the years through everything I've done in men's health in November mm. and stuff is the importance of, of guys getting together th- through shared experiences and being better for it because you find space to talk, you can have those shoulder-to-shoulder conversations, giving people the understanding that these things are out there and, and you can go and do them and they're really good for you. It's also giving people a bit of leverage to say, I could stay at home with my family, let's say this to your wife or whoever, your significant other, So I'm struggling a bit at the moment. I feel like I need to go out and connect and and have some time and space and headspace and do something challenging. And um, if I stay here, that's not going to happen and and I'm not going to be any better for anyone. But if I go and do this, if I go away on my motorbike for a week, (laughs) I'll have a really good time. I think it will really help me. I'll come back a better person and, and a better person to be around. And that's not just making excuses to go and have a good time and get away for your family. It is actually investing in yourself. Mm-hmm. And if you love motorbikes and you want a challenge, going and, you know, even it's just the weekend at the Malay Mile or it's you go on the Malay Rally or the great um, like if- European rally that's coming up this year, there are opportunities, they exist, they're out there and you can find benefit in them. Mm.
2: But it's like training, right? If you're doing aircraft engineer or something or working in finance you do you do training courses to be better at that thing so you go away for a week and you train on that doing these types of yeah shared experiences adventures is training for yourself to put yourself in difficult situations sometimes not dangerous situations but just like out of your comfort zone maybe crossing landscapes you're just doing things you've never done before and you're training yourself in just how to be a kind of a better happier space I think the more you can do that with frequency each year, it's, it's a positive thing. So you do, yeah. I come back, you come back, and you're excited, energized, and you can get stuck into everything else that you want to be the best at from life and work and family stuff. And so I think it's very positive.
1: But a lot of people have just come out of this, you know, two years of or more of of isolation. You know what I mean? In isolation, I didn't realize it's it's just kind of dawned on me now what's happened to me because I'm because mm-hmm. I, I thought I kind of came through lockdown without being you know being unscathed by it but I've never in my life not been around friends you know what I mean like growing up in Canada I always had you know I was never at home or if I was at home my friends were all there and I was all I've always been with a group of friends every day of my life then I moved to Spain and the same I've always had a crew around me and then I moved to England and then you know for the first you know three three years here I was you know I was filming every day. So I was always around the crew at work. You know what I mean? Like other than when I was at home in bed, but we'd work every day. and always have around people. And then, and then lockdown happened. And it's the first time in my life that I've really spent without friends. Then I, then I injured my hand and I, like, we spoke about this and I was like, and I got, I found myself in bed at like, you know, not getting out of bed. I was like two o'clock in the afternoon and I'm still in bed. And I'm just like, I just can't, I've got a ton of work to do. I've got my workshop, like my workshop's 50 feet from my front door. Um, And I just, I'm like, I'll do that tomorrow. And just making up these excuses of why I could stay in bed or oh, I'm working, I'm I'm answering emails or I'm on social media doing something, you know what I mean? On my phone in bed, but I wouldn't get out of bed till sometimes two in the afternoon. I'm like, this is. This is not me. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean. This is this isn't right. Yeah. and it it took me a while to realize that I was hold on. I'm, I think I'm depressed. You know what I mean. I'm really like, hold on. I, I need to. I need to change this. I need to. I need to get out of bed. I need to force myself to do something. I need to, you know, change this mindset. And mm-hmm. but now, like doing doing things like this, going on, that's created. I think. A lot of that in, uh, in most people, you know what I mean? A lot of people, you know, humans, I don't think, are we're not meant to be isolated. No. You know, that's why when you go to prison, solitary confinement is solitary. is that, because yeah. it mentally breaks you down. And How was that for you? What's that? How was that for you? <laughs> well, that, that, that's why I came out of this one so good, because I've had the experience of uh, many prison sentences. But no, I think a lot of people are a lot more anxious, socially awkward and socially anxious now you know you having to reconnect and kind of re emerge themselves into society and into events and events like the malay or going on, on on trips like this can reignite you know your old passions or your old friendships or, mm-hmm. or 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 pushing yourself to meet new people again and get back out there and go ah life is good you know what i mean it's, there is stuff to look forward to there yeah. is there is adventure out there and is good. even if it's cool. just yeah Calling up some some other mates who
2: motorcycles and saying let's just let's ride to
1: here. Yeah, yeah, packing
2: a bag and going, just doing it. This self-initiating, short rides, long rides, yeah, across the country, across continent with some good mates. One mate meet some friends on the road. Just yeah, getting that. Sometimes it's not easy just to give yourself that kick to kind of to start it. If you're struggling, just get on your bike and ride to the local
0: bike cafe. Pull up and someone will talk to you. Yeah, yeah, anyone will talk to you. Yeah, and mm-hmm. they will listen. You know there'll be a connection there because because you're in the club, you, yeah. because we have the nod. Indeed. So if uh, if you have been inspired to get involved with a Malay event or to buy some of their amazing clothing and, and luggage, I would recommend it. It is yeah, it's top quality. quality gear. Where can people find you? What's coming up?
2: Because we do see the summer now as a bit of a a season, and it's quite. Na- because the community that used to come together just once a year for the mile, so now we do try and do. So we started with the beach race. So the beach race was a great success. Thanks. <laughs> oh, we had, we had a wonderful time.
0: <laughs> it was. Yeah. Sign up for twenty twenty
2: three. And then there's the Great Mallee Rally in June, which we'll have the pleasure of riding with yourself. And then into the Malay Mile Festival at the end of July, so the 23rd to the twenty third to twenty fourth. So we've extended it to four days now. So it opens on the Thursday evening. Just we have got riders coming from all over Europe. We want to uh, allow them to like be able to ride in. And there was a small queuing camp. challenge last a six year, a six-hour queue to get in last time. And um,
0: <laughs> so that's been dealt with. If you were there last year, fear not, no that's queues. been addressed. Yeah,
2: and we do take feedback. Then into the Great Malley Mountain Rally in September. John and I are also hosting some ride-in cinemas in London in the summer. Nice. That'd and end of the year, we're going to start the Lost Club again. It's like a monthly get together. People to go and get lost in the world and talk. And so, so from adventurers, explorers, big wave surfers, yeah, just a once a month, month people talking about adventures and where they go and get lost in the world and why. Cool. So we'll start that. Start that back up again in the in the winter. Great. And um, and all and of this can of be time, found. And then the rest of the time, Johnny and I, have, and with our amazing team of designers and makers, okay. making adventure kit, doing a trade job, and, trying to enable people and help people to cross continents and or cities. With uh with kit from luggage and outerwear and we have a we have a tent we designed launching this year as well. Oh, I think
0: you told me about for that.
2: Motorcycles and, and Land Rovers as well. Cool. Um so lots of new, yeah, we're always sort of innovating and designing and trying to think of new ways to enable. Like a ditch in tent. A little bit, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, a
0: bit chica. Basically Gosh. just finding commercial reasons to go on more adventures. Pretty much. Yeah. yeah. yeah.
2: And then yeah, everyone can find everything anything through um Uh thank
0: you, Robert. Who's Q? Who's Thank you, thank you, Anthony. Thank you, Robert. No, guys, after pleasure. Thank you. And thank you, listeners, for tuning in to another episode of The Nod, a mindful motorcycle podcast. Hope you've enjoyed this week's episode. Do make sure to subscribe wherever you listen so you get the alerts for the next show. Head over to our webpage where all the links to previous episodes can be found. www.motorcyclenews.com forward slash The Nod. Don't forget to buy your Nod coffee. If you're watching this, you can buy it from New Espresso. All the details are on our social media. We'll be back next week with another guest from the wide world of motorcycling subculture. Join us next time. And until then, stay safe, be kind check-in with a
1: mate and have fun riding your motorcycle get out there and ride yeah